This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning and welcome to the podcast Bellator Society. I'm Tracy Eddy and I've got my co-host Fran Yeager in Nashville, Tennessee. And we are joined today by Father John Baker, who is a priest out of the Nashville Diocese. And he is joining us today to talk about all things St. Jose Maria Escriva and also Opus Dei. Hello and welcome. Well, thank you. It's great to talk with you all. Father, we are so thankful that you joined us today. We, we, our, our audience of Bellator Society knows that we had sort of put it out there that you were going to join us on the live stream. But as things happen, and I happen, stood you up. As, well, I, it's not your fault though. Do you want to say why you couldn't come on? You have it on your parish website. Yeah, well, it's, I guess it's kind of out there. Yeah, um, I well the. The truthful reason is that I was so flustered that I lost track of what day it was, to tell you the truth, <laughs> which I think a lot in this COVID thing. But the reason I got flustered was we, um, uh, I had gotten word the, the evening before that I'd been exposed to somebody who's been diagnosed with COVID. And so I had to, you know, sort of quickly get it lined up for another test and that sort of thing. And so, which was that morning. And just you know, I, I I knew about the the, the, the live show, but it, I thought it was the next day somehow after <laughs> in that confusion. So until and then I got out and I and I saw the text after I got out of the and I went, oh dear. <laughs> so, anyhow, so I'm sorry to leave y'all in the lurch. No, okay. not at all. Absolutely, we totally understand, and it has become a mantra around here that we just say we can't because of all the corona. <laughs> like it ruins everything. It's just as ah. So well, and also we had it. We had a good visit um, about this topic, which was the plan. And and our plan is always to carry it to the podcast. And so actually we're saving the best for last. So now that we've got you on the podcast, uh, <laughs> we're thrilled because now we can really dive into some more meteor, uh, meteor bits of the topic. So thank you. I want to start, however, because since we moved here to Nashville about three years ago, Father, I, I, I've attended several, you know, Bible studies, women's prayer groups, faith formation groups, and and it is a rare occasion that Father Baker's name is not mentioned during mm -hmm. one of these. So you have made your impression in the Diocese of Nashville, and I know that you're actually just newly returned because you were at the Josephinum for how long? Just a couple of years, yeah. Okay, but, but they, it was felt. Your, your absence was felt. And when you came back, it was about the same time that we moved to town and people were like, it was like a rumble, like Father Baker's back. Where's Father Baker going to go? And so now you're at St. Rose of Lima um, as their pastor. And, um, and so we're just so thankful to have you on the podcast today. But can you tell us a little bit about you? Like, where, tell us about your faith journey. Tell us about your, where, where are you from? Yeah, well, um, first, I just say you must be traveling in dangerous <laughs> but yeah, that's all I got to say. But the, well, actually, right now, since I'm in this quarantine until at least until the 
uh, test comes back, I'm actually very, very, very near the place where I grew up. I mean, in a little town called Ashland City. I'm in Ashland City, actually. And, I, uh, and I'm, I've sort of taken, you know, I've quarantined myself uh, there. It's a little town, uh, just a little bit out of Nashville. But, and um, that's where I grew up. And um, my, my whole family, immediately, we're all converts to the Catholic Church. I grew up in the Episcopal Church. And at a certain point, my uh, parents put us into Catholic school, which was St. Pius, actually, which is sort of on the side of town where, where we are. And it was just, that was one of the most, you know, probably fateful decisions, you know, that was um, ever made in my family. And it was a wonderful experience. And so I started there in the third grade. My sister started in the seventh. And then she went on to St. Cecilia. And sort of long story short, she eventually, um, uh, she became a Catholic first and then entered, uh, she's a Dominican sister. And then uh, then I became Catholic. And just a couple of years after that, my parents did as well on Pentecost, actually, of that year. And uh, so that was, a, um, so that's sort of it in a, nut, in a little nutshell. I uh, had been a priest of the diocese for 20, 25 years now, 26 years now, I guess. So anyhow, but um, so, um, and yeah, right now I'm at St. Rose in Murfreesboro. Well, I'm not there right now, but <laughs> <laughs> you're in quarantine I'm right now. <laughs> I'm supposed to be there. <laughs> so. Well, and you also worked with University Catholic, correct? Or it was Vandy Catholic at the time, and at I think that's where, you, yeah, right. And I think that's where you planted your seeds and a lot of the the hearts of of people here in Nashville, because that's you know everyone just there's always a Father Bakerism. You know, and and so we are so we're so delighted to, to have you share that with us. And um, I think that I was first exposed, perhaps, to your um, Father Bakerisms because you did a mass for the feast day of um, Saint Jose Maria Escriva uh, for the Opus Dei group here in Nashville. And my mom invited me to attend that, and I was like, Oh, now I understand. Now I get it. Um, so, how did you come to know Jose Maria Escriva? Why was that mass um, one that you were asked to celebrate? Well, Actually, it's, you know, more than anything else, probably through my father's influence. My father uh, was a member of Opus Dei. And, ah. uh, and I think the first, you know, member of Opus Dei in this area. And uh, so, um, you know, just sort of got brought into a lot of things, um, you know, that way with, you know, some of the uh, groups that would, we would for many, many years do these monthly, you know, evenings of recollection um, that would have to change and shift every time I had a different assignment or this or that or the other. But, uh, um, and then, but just in my own life personally, um, I, uh, a lot of it was from just, I would go to, they, I would say it's really good priest retreats, you know, they're, it's kind of hard to find priest retreats and these are just, Kind of just sort of good meat and potatoes, you know, good solid, you know, stuff for priests. So usually go uh, on a one of those. Not every year, but but pretty much every year. And um, for a while earlier in my priesthood, I would go up there. The closest center of Opus Dei is in St. Louis, and would go up there. They have a priest day of recollection every month, and there were a few of us who would try to go up there. It's just, it's just a long haul, you know, to St. Louis and back. So I sort of gave up on that after a while. And we've, we've had some of those here from time to time, but again, it's just 
Elbit Stay is really supposed to kind of work with that, you know, in a place where there's a center, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but and if you if you don't have one or don't have one nearby, it's a little. But you can always partake of the spirituality, and that's. I'm not a member of Opus Dei, but I, uh, uh, you know, you can you know partake of the spirituality or go to retreats or you know anything like that. So. Well, Tracy and I on the live stream on Wednesday were actually talking about the difference, and and we were not doing a satisfactory job about it. So perhaps you can help us <laughs> understand the difference between being an Opus Dei priest or just being a priest who appreciates and participates in Opus Dei activities. <laughs> well, it's actually even more complicated than that. <laughs> There I are, knew we weren't doing it justice. <laughs> I knew it was it was weedy. <laughs> in in Opus Dei, um, you know, they're different. Uh, uh, my father, for example, was a supernumerary. Is what he's called. That's uh, people who are you know married and you know living in the world. They're also what are called numerary members who uh, live. They're the ones who ordinarily live in the centers. They're celibate. And out of, from the numerary. I know, I had trouble saying, my mother is also a supernumerary. And I was like, I'm saying it wrong. I don't even understand. (laughs) Um, Some of the the men are asked to go go into seminary. And so Mm -hmm. they are priests of Opus Dei. They are members of Opus Dei who are ordained for Opus Dei. And they they work within the apostolates of Opus Dei. Got it. also, though, uh, another um, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what you. I, 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 I'm gonna get the lingo wrong, but I know it's so technical <laughs> sometimes. Like, are you talking the about the prelature? The, well, that's the. But this is the priestly society of the Holy Cross. Got it. Which is a um, an organization for uh, for diocesan priests mm. um, that that Saint Jose Maria also founded. To help diocesan priests to you know live, you know uh, you know sort of a plan of life. A lot of the things that that uh, like the lay members of Opus Dei would do, but this is for diocesan priests. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so it so you can be a member of the Society of the Holy Cross and be a diocesan priest uh, and be a member of that. Again, it's one of those things that it's kind of hard to do unless you're sort of close to a, a center or something. Mm-hmm. You can also just be what's called a cooperator of Opus Dei, which is not a, a I'm a cooperator, which is, you're not a member, but you're, but it's a, it just sort of means you partake of the spirituality and, you know, get spiritual direction or go on retreats or whatever you're able to, to do. Uh, and like I say, for people who live sort of at a distance from one of the centers of Opus Dei, that's kind of, I think that's the more ordinary yeah, way. So. so how does one get involved in Opus Dei? Do you have to be invited or asked like, it seems so kind of mysterious and, yeah. and sort of like a club, but I know it's not. I mean, I know it's it's for Jesus. I know it's not a country club for Catholics, but can yeah. you explain that and how some people do become, you know, members of Opus Dei and other people are always just hear about it, never really know much about <laughs> it? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I wish I could say, yeah, I could tell you all about it, but it's... Uh, <laughs> No, but it's a secret. No one can no. know. <laughs> it's not really a secret, but I, I do think there's some things about it. Like it's, it's, you know, the whole idea of it is sort of a very, it's that sort of, you know, based on these ideas of, you know, kind of like of friendship and family. And, and so it's always kind of personal, you know, very, very right. personal. They, they, they wouldn't, you know, like, 
you know, have a membership drive, you know, or, or something like, you know, something like that. And some of that, you know, I think it's just one of the things that, you know, different, you know, groups in the church have certain sort of, you know, charisms that they have, certain ways that they operate and do things. And, um, and, and this one is just, is a little funny to the, to Amer- the American, I mean, we're all Americans, we're such hucksters for everything. Come join, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Like, oh, you know, just, I like just mean clubs. I like and, clubs. And, and, and the, there's a Facebook page and all this kind of stuff, and all, you know, and all, you know, it's like, and, yeah, you know, where can I uh, find and, this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, where, yeah. And, and like, I don't know if you've ever tried to try to track down, a digital footprint for an Opus Day. It's not really easy to do. <laughs> but, right. Um, so, um, because the whole idea is it's supposed to be more on the basis of like personal relationship and friendship. And like I say, almost sort of bonds of kind of family and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So a certain way of looking at it, it could look kind of exclusive or it could look secretive. Um, and that's not to say that people in it maybe aren't sometimes exclusive or secretive, they, you know, <laughs> but that's not the idea. It isn't to be that. I don't think it's not supposed to be, you know, a secret society or something like that, but just the whole ethos, you know, just like how, but again, I think it's something that we don't, you know, it, again, it's sort of strange in our culture nowadays, you know, we just put everything out there all the right. time, but you know, there was a certain, you know, understanding that, you know, among friends or within family and you know, things like that, we, you know, we certainly talk about things and are open about things and are welcoming and all, but, but we don't like put up the, you know, the neon sign and turn in here special today or, you know, that kind of, you know, so it's, it, it, like I say, it's just, a um, um, it has its own particular way of doing things. And, uh, and I think there's some real advantage, of course, you know, like anything else, there can be shortcomings to it, but, but if you ever go, like, for, I mean, one of the things I like about going to this, these Opus Dei retreats, I go to, most of the time, most recently, I've gone to a, a, a retreat center that's down in Texas. <clears throat> it's called Schulenburg, Texas. And it's like, um, um, you know, it's, it's like going to a, driving into a, like a Texas ranch house or something, you know? I mean, it's, it has this very human kind of feel it doesn't have an institutional feel to it right yeah it has a has a homey feel to it and and um and that's very very deliberate you know so what What i hear you describing i'm sorry tracy go ahead no no you go ahead i was just gonna say what i hear you describing is this um particularity of of a development of intimacy into this sort of sense of fraternity that that is real that is not just like you put your name on the line and congratulations you're in but it really is a sort of a maturation and a development into a society Mm -hmm. And and i think that's something that our society at large um misses and maybe it is an american thing i I hadn't really thought about that before but um i I was talking with one of our friends recently about a bible study group that we've been doing on zoom because of corona and um she was saying you know we have people in the group who are not necessarily that we haven't been friends with for a very long time but like it was almost immediately because so many of us are friends we jumped into um talking about things um of, of 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 a personal nature that it not that it was out of place but that there were people there who had not yet 
mm-hmm. c- come into the circle. Not that we don't want them in, but it just seemed like, ooh, like d- d- there needs to be a pacing to get there. And maybe that's mm-hmm. what you're describing in terms of Opus Dei is that they really take that seriously, that there is a proper order for, um, you know, coming into the fold um, so that you can indeed, you know, adequately um, make your plan for life, yeah. uh, that, that your but, uh, way of perfection is on par with everybody around you. Yeah. And I'm not really a, a great person to talk about that because I'm, I'm basically an outsider to Opus Dei myself, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but sort of one who's a fairly knowledgeable outsider, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say so. If, if your father was a member and, and you're so active among the, the um, community, I, I would say so, which is why we asked you to come, but we're talking a lot about Opus Dei. Can we talk about Jose Maria Escriva? Well, San Jose Maria, I think he's, um, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of what I ha- what all of this has to do, again, with, you know, there's this, you know, uh, in, you know, in the story of Opus Dei, in the story of St. Jose, the word that's used, that he used, he saw Opus Dei, you know, um, yes. he saw it sort of all at once. And, um, you know, almost as a, you know, sort of a, a revelation to him almost. And so um, it very much is animated by his, I think, spirit and insights and this, you know, literal kind of what he saw. Um, and it was something that was, you know, ahead of its time and, so, and not something that's, um, uh, you know, I mean, of course, the whole idea of the, you know, of, um, you know, the lay faithful living intense uh, lives of interior lives is that's, you know, never foreign from the church, but there have been times where it's been emphasized more. And of course, it was emphasized very much at the Second Vatican Council. And so he you know, sort of anticipated that in some ways. So, um, you know, I think there are a lot of things that you can just sort of tell about him. Uh, that he he understood friendship very much. You know, he he, uh, he um, I, I think must have been a very very engaging you know sort of personality. Um, he was worked very hard. <laughs> and also expected people to work very hard. <laughs> um, he um, uh, you know had a you know again like most people who get things like this off the ground, had a very, you know, he, he, people were very much, were very drawn to him, you know? Um, and uh, so uh, I, I think he was just one of those people who, you know, that God has raised up at different times in the history of the church for a particular mission in the church. Um, and like many, many others, I mean, I, certainly more than norm for that kind of thing. He, he went through a lot of you know, people who didn't understand what he was doing or opposed what he was doing or this or that. One of the things I think that's most remarkable about him, a thing different as is how, um, you know, sort of forgiving and tolerant and understanding he was of people who opposed him, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or people who, and a lot of people did, you know, a lot of people, uh, and he seemed to make a real point, um, not only for himself personally, but for the members of Opus Dei to, you know, n- never to, you know, not to, 
not to have a not try not to have a partisan spirit or uh, you know to always be you know try to think the best of, of people even people who are you know uh, very much uh, opposing you or um, you know these and, and I think that was a great you know great personal cost to himself actually mm-hmm. there was I would say he he sort of embodies in some ways the virtue of magnanimity you know of greatness of heart greatness of spirit that to a, I think a, a, a pretty remarkable degree. And I think that accounts a lot for people being drawn to him. You know, when you see that kind of uh, spirit, it's, it is attractive, you know, so. So Fran was telling me yesterday that he also had a civil degree in law or, or a degree yes. in civil law. And so right. I wonder if that goes back to his, um, clearly he's very driven. I wonder if that goes back to his drive to expect a lot out of other people too, because he seems like he, he really worked hard, took care of his family, but does that is, and, and I don't mean to go back to Opus Day, but does that um, hard work or not hard work, but diligent work, um, practical, you know, uh, the dignity of work, does that play, did that play into Opus Day or, or is it more of camaraderie? Oh, very and friendship much. So. And, I mean, oh no, no, no. Very, very, very much. So I, you know, I, um, yeah, I mean, because that's where, you know, again, for the lay faithful, you know, a lot of where they're going to be able to influence the world is in their work. But um, work is, you know, sometimes I think people, even very spiritual people, sometimes they have a work is, you know, a curse or something like that. And let's get that over with, <laughs> you know, so we can get on to the important stuff. But that, sometimes Maria really thought that our work in the world was a way to sanctify the world, you know. Mm. Uh, um, and to sanctify ourselves as well. So, um, you know, a way to really gain influence with people, you know, by, by being a good example and, and, um, and excellence, you know, and again, it has that whole, again, that thing of magnanimity and those sort of outstanding human virtues, you know, mm-hmm. uh, feeding into the, um, into the supernatural and interior life as well. So. On that note of, of um, it, it is in our daily life, it is in the work that we're doing that we can, um, you know, um, achieve sanctity, not earn it, but that it can change us and form us into holier people. Um, th- there's a quotation from one of his letters that I love, and it's that sanctity is not for a privileged few. The Lord calls all of us to it, right? That's that universal call to holiness that we were given and in, in you know, reminded of basically in the Second mm-hmm. Vatican Council. But then he goes on to say he expects love from all of us from everyone wherever they are from everyone whatever their state in life their profession or job for the daily life we live apparently apparently so ordinary can be a path to sanctity it is not necessary to abandon one's place in the world in order to search for god because all paths of the earth can be an occasion for an encounter with christ where do we need to encounter christ as lay people, where, where do you see as, as a pastor, where do you tell your parishioners, your flock to encounter Christ the, the best or most successively? Well, where I would love to see it first and foremost is at home. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the, um, uh, and that's one of the things I think that in this coronavirus thing is at least given us the possibility of, you know, trying to remind people about the domestic church and, family life and and that sort of thing and um uh so i think first and foremost you know that would be um uh is 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 at home 
uh, and in, in the life of the family and guarding that and protecting that and sanctifying that. And, and then from there, I mean, the church has always seen that, that, that the, you know, what, what happens in the, in the big church is, is an extension of what's happening in the, the little church at home. And, the, mm-hmm. and that's the way it works the best. Not that it can't work otherwise. I mean, God can work under all sort of extraordinary ways, but that's the ordinary path, you know, mm-hmm. is out of the home. And then, um, but then also, you know, going out, in, like you mentioned, in another area is in friendships. And that's another thing where I, I think our culture needs a lot. We've um, Friendship is almost, uh, especially among men, is something that's almost considered to be, you know, you know, like it's hardly even there, you know, and uh, so. Um, or it's utilitarian, like I'm friends with you because we're interested in right. the same thing or we're doing yeah. the same thing or it's mutually beneficial. Or you've got a truck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I need, to go, I need to go to Home Depot. So. <laughs> but um, so, um, yeah, and so friendship is that that whole area is, you know, of, um, uh, you know, and, and, and yeah, and, and not in that utilitarian sense and not, and then, and then also just in, in work and professional life as well. So. I love that. Some of my best friends um, have been made by virtue of meeting um, other people through them. Like I love you. Mm-hmm. And so you've introduced me to this person and now I love them. And I think mm-hmm. that is kind of what you're talking about in terms of like making friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like that's also how I make friends with heavenly friends with the saints what yeah. are some of the people that that saint jose maria if you know what what who 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 is he particularly devoted to who can we meet through him mm. do, you, do you know or do you have other saints that you might recommend for us who had the same um mission in in sanctifying the ordinary yeah. well um saint jose maria one of the that some of the Sinai was very very uh uh close to the angels, you know, oh. Gabriel, St. Raphael, the Holy Guardian Angels. They, they come up a lot, a lot of his things. Um, I, a saint that I always think of someone who would have been sort of very similar spirit many years before that was St. Francis de Sales. Um, the, the same sort of emphasis on the, uh, uh, on, on, you know, interior life for the lay faithful, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the, the introduction to the devout life, I think, is a you know probably finds its place many bookshelves of Opus Dei people. I think so. Fran mentioned him yesterday, so uh, you're on the same. She she is totally jiving with you. I saw her eyes get big and a big smile. Like yes, <laughs> the more we can mention Saint Francis or Saint J. Yeah. Francis de Chantel, the better for me. So. Yes. <laughs> But I mean, you can sort of see it's very much a lot of the same sort of, you know, same sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, we reflected in the live stream um, this week that St. Jose Maria, you know, with his universal call to holiness, especially from each of our particular place in life is a good saint for today, like today, especially today. What can do you think we can learn from him uh, that can teach or motivate each of us to continue along this path to perfection, especially today when we're feeling, you know, when we have these these feelings of defeat and demoralization and disappointment? Mm -hmm. Um, What what can we learn from him um, in that regard? Well, a big theme of his is also supernatural point of view. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Always looking at things from the point of view of heaven, you know, 
And so that's that's the reason why, like, you get up in the morning out of bed and hit the ground running, not because every day is necessarily so, like, I'm so excited about today. You know, I, I think a you know, time like this is a time where, frankly, a lot of us would go, like, I am not excited about today, you know, yeah. objectively and emotionally or whatever. But you look at it from the point of view of heaven and mm-hmm. and what can be done for the glory of God and for heaven and, and what's going to matter, you know, from that point of view. So I think that's one of his great, uh, and again, another thing that he always, you know, and when you are dealing with, you know, being maybe down or depressed or something like that, again, to take that supernatural point of view, and that's not, doesn't mean to be Pollyanna and put on, you know, rose colored glasses and everything is, you know, whatever, but, um, but to, um, you know, to just remember, oh, you know, this world is passing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and heaven is forever. And that's where I want to go. One of the, I, you know, I've said a couple of times in homilies that some people are like, I, I, I can't wait to get back to normal. And I said, I don't want to go back anywhere, you know, because heaven isn't there. Not that there aren't some wonderful things, but I, I've been there and heaven's not, I want to go to heaven. So That you know, was Egypt. We don't want to go back to <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> Oh yeah, but the leeks and watermelons were so good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so, uh, but um, so yeah. So you 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 keep going because that's the that's where heaven is. Yeah. Father, what is the heroic moment? Well, <laughs> a lot of times it's associated with getting right up out of bed first thing in the morning. You know, like yeah. don't let the snooze alarm. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that it can be applied to about a lot of things. It's like, you know, um, you know, now, let's, let's do it now. Whatever it is that needs to be done, let's do it now, you know. So procrastination is not. That would not be a big thing. <laughs> 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 I'm never going to get invited. I, say. <laughs> I have so much to learn. <laughs> well, I'm the world's worst procrastinator, so that's so, anyway. That's interesting. Well, I love too that um, his his prayer uh, that was I think it was um, right before he died actually because he died in what nineteen seventy five. I think that's about right. And um, he had, he did a, I think he had his golden Jubilee uh, just right before he died. And he had a prayer, I believe that he wrote for his golden Jubilee. And it said, Mm. 50 years have gone by and I am still like a faltering child. I am just beginning, beginning again, as I do each day in my interior life. And it will be so to the end of my days, always beginning anew. And I love that humility. And I think that is kind of where that's, um, magnanimous like humility mm-hmm. is the thing that makes people realize that you know i'm a person you're a person we're, we're all doing this t- together and are there any other virtues or um attributes of saint jose maria escriva that you would say are particularly um uh, um pointing to that that sense of you know just i want to be i want to be with that guy like he's going to be a good yeah. friend of mine well, I think you hit on something that even just that that turn of phrase, that beginning again, mm. it's always, you know, that that's a huge thing for him. It's just like, it, 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 to, you know, avoid perfectionism and, 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 and begin again, you know, yeah. if you fall, begin again. Um, and uh, don't worry so much about your falls, get up and start again. Uh, and, and that's why, for example, confession makes is such a key element you know in the spiritual 
teaching of, of San Jose Maria, that it's the sacrament of beginning again, you know, and so uh, making, you know, good and frequent confessions is kind of, you know, plays, you know, plays into that to begin and begin again and just, and keep, keep going that, and that, which is also talking about that idea of conversion and that you, that, you know, and, and that you do things intentionally, you know, that's a word from our culture a lot now, like intentionality that I think in the seculars, it can, well, San Jose Maria said we need to be very intentional about our spiritual life and interior life. We need to have particular specific resolutions and this and that, you know, and, um, and, uh, and, and keep up with it. And, you know, you know, it, it, it is, a um, 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 and for some reason or other, we can buy into that in terms of, you know, you know, all these sort of secular self-help books and things, but somehow or another people sometimes don't like that when it comes to the spiritual life, but he, yeah, yeah same sort of thing. Worth, yeah. Is there so, a spiritual self-help book from St. Jose Maria? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'm the, determined, I mean, <laughs> but I am curious. Uh, well, those, you know, his little, these collections of these little sayings, the way and the forge and the uh, furrow, um, they're these very short little, you know, maybe two or three sentences, things that are, and, you know, very pithy, sometimes with quite a punch to them, actually. They're quite direct sometimes, but they're, yeah, they're, uh, it's just, he's a very, you know, he's a very, you know, practical. Right. He's not a, yeah. One of my favorite ones is the one where he said, don't say that person annoys me, say that person sanctifies me, like, you know, that it's that opportunity to, you know, encounter every human being, um, again, not in utility, but in realizing that they are drawing us closer to Christ, um, even in the difficulty, even in the, um, you know, even, even in those, those rough patches. And so I thought that was a very poignant time as a, a poignant reflection for our time as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, like I say, very good, you know, practical things. I think that's frankly, sometimes what, what people find a little off-putting about San Jose Maria is that he's like, um, you know, I think if you knew him, you know, if you had known him personally, there, there, there was a, a real, you know, kind of warmth and, and, you know, humor and all this sort of thing. But I think people, similar to he seems very, uh, you know, demanding to, to some people or, presented sometimes, you know, and that sort of thing. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I always remember like some of the things like, you know, just get back up with, I love this word. It was in one, like with this, you know, like, okay, this, I'm going to get it right this time, you know, this sort of thing. And just not, uh, and sort of the encouragement about that. But, um, you know, it, you know, if, if we're not just constantly coddled though, it seems like nowadays it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to, my, my whole world is going to fall apart. So he says, no, you can do it. Let's get up. Yeah. Let's you know buck up camper he's kind of like a you know a coach of the spiritual life you know or whatever so oh that that is a good analogy um in in how he is oh, my question this may be a question that does not have an answer or no one knows the answer but if you have the answer i want it mm -hmm. who is he talking to in the way and and furrow and the forge like because they always seem like a little bit of like a response to something you know was he practicing mm -hmm. like this virtue of silence where he was like internalizing the answers throughout the course of his day that he was gonna hit back at and then when he got home he wrote them down or was it really <laughs> something that he responded and was like oh that was good i'm gonna make a note of that I said, you know that worked out <laughs> really well do you know where these little quips and these sort of proverbial um you know reflections came from i would sus suspect they came from spiritual direction is where uh, i think they came from yeah 
She did lots of spiritual direction, lots of spiritual direction. Yeah. Like well, frequently and- asked questions and then he would go back and write them down. Like <laughs> I'm getting this one over and over again. <laughs> we gotta, everybody's going to need to hear this. I think. Yeah. This is textbook. We need a reference for this for yeah. sure. Well, Father, you have been so generous uh, to join us today, especially in the context of what's going on in your life right now. And you mm. mentioned, as, as we close up this podcast, you mentioned um, something just a, a few minutes ago that I would love it if you would elaborate on. Um, what are those specific things that we can do in the spiritual life um, to, to proceed on the, the path to perfection, to, to enhance what we're doing now, um, especially in in this time of quarantine, in this time of, um, you know, difficulty in so many people's lives, what, what would you say is just, are just good general, um, pieces of advice and what is your favorite, um, examination of conscience? Oh, okay. Well, um, all right. Uh, you know, again, this is one of the things sort of hallmark of, of San Jose Maria, um, is just like I said about those retreats, just kind of meat and potatoes. There's not a lot of, you know, kind of razzmatazz. There's not a lot of, you know, like warm fuzzies. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, he would say that, I mean, like have a plan of life, mm-hmm. spiritual life. No, you know, and it doesn't necess- doesn't matter that much, so much what it is, but that you have it and you're faithful to it. Mm-hmm. You know? And then you can sort of gradually, you know, and, and I think it's sort of a sort of bare minimum. It's okay, like get up in the morning, have your heroic moment, make a morning offering, you know, um, punctuate your day with, uh, moments of prayer that you set, you know, mm-hmm. the moments when you can that bring you back to that supernatural point of view, plug you back in with that low, you know, even just short aspirations or the Angelus at noon or, you know, just, you know, things like that. Set yourself some time during the day for some interior prayer, when you're in conversation with God, you know, listening to him. Uh, at night, do an examination of conscience, as you said, before you before you go to bed. And thank God for the blessings of the day. Um, you know, there, there are other things to be adding into that spiritual reading, scripture reading. You know, but maybe, but just start. Again, that's another thing of his is start. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter how small it is. The main thing is fidelity. Mm-hmm. fidelity to something very, and I, you know, where did he get that idea? Maybe the Lord, you know, <laughs> you know, as if we're going to do anything that's going to impress God. I mean, yeah. if, even if we did something 24 seven, you know, that's not going to impress God, but our love and our desire and our fidelity is that's the thing. So just kind of those regular things, be faithful about your prayer life, be faithful about going to mass, be faithful about getting to confession regularly, all these kind of things, with regularity, you know, a plan to them. That's and and that's not so that you can pat yourself on the back. That's just so that a couple of things. One is if you have a plan, then it helps you to stay on the plan. And also if you get off the plan, it helps you to get back on. You know where you're coming back to. You know where the, you know, and 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 you know, if it's you know if it's not working, change it. <laughs> Whatever. Um, maybe if you've got a priest or a confessor or a spiritual director, maybe run it by them, see what they think. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I say, it's kind of simple, basic things. Examination of conscience. Well, funny, the, the examination of conscience, one of my, the favorite one I have probably is one that I think I told you I grew up in the Episcopal church 
and the the pastor of the church that I grew up in, he was there my whole childhood, all the way through I was in college, and very remarkable man, but he had this examination, this whole little kind of prayer book in a way that he had, and it had a really neat examination of conscience in it, you know, and I have, I've used that a lot. When I, back when I was at the university, I kind of reproduced it, tweaked it a little bit, you know, for the university students. It was basically based on the seven deadly sins, but it was, ah. the, but it was, a, but it had a real interior kind of quality to it. You know, these mm-hmm. questions that were kind of real probbing, you know? Yeah. Is you it available for you to share with us? Is our exactly, yeah. like, Jinx. <laughs> I don't know. We, uh, we want back it. When I, back when I was at, you know, University of Catholic, I do think maybe we had it posted somewhere, but I doubt they do now. It's, it, it's a little eccentric, maybe, but anyhow, but uh, I've got some if you want one. Maybe. I would love one. And if you don't okay. mind us sharing it, I would love to do that too with correct attribution. Okay. So um, yeah. thank you. Good. That's that's always something I'm looking for for myself and for my children. So um, okay. thank you. Good, good. Well, it's just great to meet and talk to both of you all. It's delightful. So it is well, so thank good. you so it's much. It's been a wonderful, pleasant distraction in a good way. <laughs> Thinking about heavenly things rather than the coronavirus. We need more sublime for sure. <laughs> thank you, good. Father. Okay. I don't know if you if you know this. We have a little thing on our podcast where we called our last little bit because we are talkers. And sometimes we just can't quit ever, especially when we're in, in person. So we decided on the, on the podcast, we would end with the last little bit. So, so it's your last thing you get to say, and then we have to like cut, cut you off. Um, and this is really more for Fran and I, because we can't cut each other off ever. Um, so we'll probably, we'll give you a minute to, to come up with the last little bit, or you don't have to have a last little bit if you don't want to, um, Fran, do you have one right now? I do have one. Yeah. I just wanted to say a a little reminder. We alluded to it in our live stream that we have our little Jose Maria Escriva stickers about prayer (laughs) and that prayer is the thing that is to be, be inflamed like a, like a bonfire. And um, we have it in Spanish and we are about to do something super fun with it. So anyone who's listening to this podcast, stay tuned. I think that um, the day after this podcast comes out on Saturday, we're going to make a little announcement about how you can get one of these stickers because you can't buy one that's mm. that's the thing uh we we They're have freebies exactly <laughs> uh, but it's not super free because we are, well, we are, we are actually going to ask people to um, help us a little bit. And in return, we will give you one of these very special um, Jose Maria Escriva stickers that you can, they're vinyl stickers. You can put them on water bottles, computers, um, Bible covers. If you put stickers on your Bible cover, I don't know that some people do that actually, you know, especially if they get like cracks in them instead of tape, they'll put like a, like a sticker or something. Um, so we have those, we want to give those stay tuned. That's yes. my last little bit. Awesome. Father, do you want to go or do you want to go last? Doesn't matter. Whatever you want. I'll Are go. you prepared? I can say, I can always say something. <laughs> He's one of us. He's a free <laughs> talker priest. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Father. <laughs> well, I would just say if people are interested in, uh, you know, in St. Jose Maria, certainly, you know, read him, get to know him, that sort of thing. But I think really in the spirit of his own, you know, um, uh, you know, teaching and and an example, I would I would you know maybe go on a, a retreat, go on a say a retreat, or go to a evening of recollection if there's one in your area, or you know seek out these kind of friendships 
uh, and, and that sort of thing so that you actually live it, you know, and encounter it in the flesh uh, and not just as sort of an abstraction because we, we can kind of control abstractions, you know, <laughs> whereas real people kind of, you know, make demands on us and we make demands on them and we rub off on each other, hopefully in a good way. So it's much easier to love humanity than to love human beings. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Okay. My last little bit is Fran and I are kind of on the same wavelength because you're talking merch and I'm talking merch. We have some cups that we have just put (laughs) up on our website and they are super fabulous. They're really for anybody. But the idea was really kind of a Father's Day type gift. They are black insulated um, cup holders, kind of, um, you know, the powder coated um, keeps your your drink hot or cold, however you want it. The fun thing about these are you can put a drink in it. It's got a lid that you can drink out of or have a straw in it, or you can take the lid off and it's, and you can put a can in it if it's a can and it's real snug so it doesn't fall out. And we have a G. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun, Father? You need hey. one. We're sending we'll bring you one. one. When you're out of quarantine, <laughs> I will bring you one. That's an integrated solution right there. There you go. I mean, everyone's happy. Uh, but it has a G.K. Chesterton quote on it. And, and the quote is, don't drink because you're miserable, but drink because you're happy. Is that right, except, Fran? Except opposite. Drink because don't, you're happy, not because not you're because miserable. Not because you're miserable. <laughs> Sorry. Close, very close. Very close. The meaning was the same, just out of order. (laughs) But check check out the website. They just got loaded to our website. And we hope you enjoy them. We hope you buy one for yourself, for your dad, for your grandfather, for your favorite priest, for anybody that you think might need a, a cool beverage this summer. Yep. And we've got one for you too, Father. So stay tuned. Ready. Thanks so much for joining Coming us. Coming your way. I'll be, I'll be one of the cool kids. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's black and white too. Oh, my <laughs> color good. Skin. It yeah. looks good. <laughs> we are about color schemes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. This was so fun. And I hope everyone has a great day. Great. Thank you all. Thanks. Bye, Thank you, Bye. Father. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true good and